Hello and welcome to the Men's Mental Health and Wellness Podcast. Today I'm going to be talking about an MBTI type, which is the Myers-Briggs Type Indicator, uh, based off of uh, the work of Carl Jung, I believe. Uh, We're going to be talking about INFPs, which is exactly what I am. Um, If you don't know what your Myers-Briggs Type is, you can... Obviously, go online to many different sources. Just be careful because a lot of them you can kind of type yourself out completely wrong. Uh, go to several different websites. Uh, the best way I got typed out was uh, actually through my own therapist who uh, kind of went down everything because of my dissociative disorder. I had to, uh, it took a long time to really get my entire personality down. So that was fun, but come to find out that I am an INFP. Uh, I was told that by my therapist, and then, of course, I went online to take all the different tests here and there, and yeah, none of them swayed. I was never I was never anything like an INFJ or an ENFP. I was INFP all the way on every single test I took. So no running away from it for me. Now... The Myers-Briggs type indicator, uh, I know there's a lot of people who go off of like, you know, when they say, what's your personality type? A lot of people like to go off of the Enneagram, which is also, it's, it's a useful tool. All of this stuff is just useful tools to kind of help understand yourself a lot better and kind of know where your shortcomings are, uh, which has helped me a lot uh, become a much healthier or mentally healthy individual. And it helps me to know where I need some growth in my life and where, you know, where certain pitfalls might be. So anyway, the Myers-Briggs, the MBTI, is more about your cognitive functions, uh, how you process the world around you and make decisions and stuff like that. Uh, well, more about how you process the world around you. Uh, your Enneagram can kind of come into how you make decisions or how you play those decisions out, rather. <clears throat> so when it comes down to the Myers-Briggs, the 16 personality types, um, it's all based off of your cognitive functions, which everybody has eight cognitive functions. It just, depending on what you are, they're going to be lined up in a different order, basically. So for the INFP, I'm just going to go over the main four cognitive functions that the INFP has, which is introverted feeling, extroverted intuition, introverted sensing, and extroverted thinking. Now, I know a lot of people will go off of just INFP, which stands for introverted, intuitive, feeling, perceiving, but it, it goes much deeper than that. Uh, I suggest anybody who has taken this test to really get into what your cognitive functions are, not get so wrapped up in just the INFP portion of it. So the first in our cognitive stack is introverted feeling. Now, it kind of sounds self-explanatory. You know, a lot of, a lot of it, you know, is... You know, how we feel. We keep a lot of our emotions on the inside. At least I do. 
and a lot of this I'm going to speak from my behalf because I am an INFP. Of course, every INFP is different, so just kind of keep that in mind. So being an introverted feeler, I'm going to keep a lot of my emotions to myself, and I'm going to run everything that is happening, like my decisions or just things that are going on around the world, and kind of bring them into myself here and see how do I feel about this? You know, what is it? Is this true to me? And a lot of, you know, INFPs are almost all INFPs are, we are very, very authentic people. Uh, Our authenticity is very, very high. Our individuality is also very, very high. That's why a lot of uh, INFPs are, you can get a whole bunch of INFPs in one building, which would make for some amazing conversations, don't get me wrong, but each person is going to be completely freaking different. Um, but authentic, authenticity is extremely important to us. Um, again, we're very private about our emotions. Uh, we kind of deal with that internally. As far as me, I don't really outwardly show a lot of emotions unless it's anger. I got anger down pretty damn well. That kind of goes into my Enneagram. I'm a type 8 on the Enneagram, so go figure. But, you know, a lot of our emotions are very, very internal to us. And it kind of, it may not look like it. It's like like a duck on, on water. You know, you look at us from the outside, we look like we're calm, reserved, you know, just kind of hanging back to ourselves. Inside, there's, you know, the on the surface of the water, the duck looks completely calm and still. Underneath the surface, those, those feet are just kicking like crazy. And that's what it is for us. I mean, a lot of our emotions are, that we have internally, we're, they're just going through, going through our process, going through our cognitive stack to kind of make sense of the world around us. Um... And we pretty much keep that to ourselves unless we have somebody that we trust that we can actually kind of, you know, vent that out to or actually express our emotions. A lot of INFPs actually express, we a lot of us express our emotions in some sort of creative medium. So artwork, uh, music, dance, film, fucking podcasting. Um, I guess could be one of those creative outlets. And that's kind of how we get our emotions out. If we're lucky enough to have somebody that we deeply trust, um, then man, all you're all the better for it. Uh, I will say this: if an INFP lets you in on their internal emotions, don't take that lightly. Because it is, it's a very select few people that we will let in to our inner circle. And it is, it is really like our, it's our nice little, I guess, safe space. I was trying to get away from saying that, but, you know, here we are. So, if you have an INFP in your life and... They let you in on their emotions and what's kind of really going on on the inside. 
don't take that lightly. That INFP has holds you in such high regard to even let you in. So just if you're not an INFP and you know of somebody that is and they kind of let you in, that it's a lot of trust. So don't shit all over that. You know, we are also very individualistic. Um, we all have to set ourselves apart from the group somehow, some way, whether it's how we dress, how we speak, you know, whatever it is that we do, our mannerisms. You know, for me, I, I've, I obviously, I set myself apart from whatever group. Like I know at work we have uniforms. I got to be the guy with the different uniform. So that's just who I am. I have the long sleeves that I roll up and I wear blue jeans when everybody else pretty much wears shorts and short sleeve polo or short sleeve button down. I'm with a button down, long sleeve, sleeves rolled up, blue jeans and boots and some sort of a hat that is, you know, nobody else has. That's just, I guess, my way of expressing myself and setting myself apart. And this individuality, individuality, I totally said that wrong, but we're going to go ahead and blow on by that. Or individualism is, it's different for all of us. Um, But it is something that helps us kind of stay true to ourselves. And again, it kind of keeps our authenticity, you know, up there, you know. Uh, the other thing INFPs are, we are very, very idealistic. Um, damn, my machine scared me. Spooked me. Uh, I lost my train of thought now. <laughs> Welcome to an INFP doing a podcast, losing his train of thought. Who'd have thunk it? And now all of a sudden, I got it. Really? Okay, my dog is doing weird stuff in the background too. So anyway. Where was I? Introverted feeling, individuality, idealistic. There we go. Uh, our idealistic side kind of gets tied into our our values. Every INFP, we are very. We have whether they an INFP knows it or not. We have these values that we have that are unbreakable. Uh, for me, my number one value is loyalty. So if I get betrayed by somebody, they are uh, pretty much dead to me. And it'll, it'll take me time to heal from that betrayal because it is something that, you know, it, it cuts deep into my values because I will never betray somebody unless I've been betrayed by that person, then they're nothing to me. But that's just, uh, that's one of my values, uh, loyalty and love are my top values. Now, every INFP has different values, what they place in the top whatever, you know, in the top three of their values. Uh, It comes from that, you know, idealistic side. For me, loyalty, you know, I will never, I will never, you know, back out of a friendship or anything like that. I'm, I'm, if I care about you, I'm there with you until the day that I die or the day that you die. And 
that's something that I expect in return. It's a little bit of my idealistic side is I believe that everybody should kind of be more loyal, more compassionate, uh, more loving. Uh, and it's just, that's something that every INFP kind of has is that idealistic side that is attached to their values. That That's how they want to see the world. And that's what they try to be in the world. So, uh, a little bit off course from the introverted feeling, but kind of get the point here. I'm not trying to make a super long deal about it today. Not a very in-depth. I'll probably have all of these, all of the cognitive stacks from introverted, extroverted feeling, introverted, extroverted intuition, the sensing and thinking. I'll probably have individual episodes kind of going in-depth on each one of these. I'm just going to give a real quick baseline as to the INFP cognitive stack. Now we're moving on to uh, extroverted intuition. So extroverted intuition is the second up. It's our judging function for an INFP. Um, it's... It's basically patterns, recognizing patterns in, you know, in the world and in relationships. Um, what would be a good, let's see. Now, I know, like, when it comes to being intuitive, it's not like your psychic mind reader type things. You know, if you want a mind reader, get involved with an INFJ, ENFJ. Which, for an INFP, the ENFJ is our number one as far as compatibility with INFJ kind of being our our second, our, the runner-up in compatibility. Uh, I've, as far as, you know, the people that I have been with, there is one for sure INFJ that I was in a relationship back in the day and it was, it was awesome. Only problem is we were just too damn young anyways. So extroverted intuition again is it's, it's all about patterns and possibility. Um, as far as like recognizing patterns in relationships, like for me, it's, I've done some, I've been in some relationships, whether it be romantic or platonic, where I can kind of see where it's going to go. And it's, it, it gets tied into my introverted feeling where I'll get these gut feelings, which is kind of mixed in between extroverted intuition and introverted feeling. Because I'll see these patterns in the world, then I'll get that gut feeling and it's like, okay, this is, this is how this is going to happen. Or this is what this person's motives are. Or, you know, I'm about to get played, basically. So it's it's all about possibilities and patterns. Um, everything is kind of connected in your mind. Uh, especially, like, when you're kind of foreseeing the future, basically. And you're looking at, you're forecasting the future based on those patterns of, you know, in those relationships, uh, whether it be romantic or platonic, 
you've been through it before and you can recall back to a time when these patterns took place and it, it happens without an INFP even knowing it. Uh, it. It happens so quickly because we remember these patterns and we will call back to a time when it happened before almost instantaneously. Then we'll get that gut feeling and that's our intuition at work, working with the outer world, bringing it back in, picking up the information from the outer world, bringing it back into our introverted feeling and giving us that, that, uh, what's the word? That gut feeling, or phrase rather, gives us that gut feeling. And with that, that's that extroverted intuition or judging function that is out there in the world kind of sniffing things out, recognizing these patterns, relaying it back to our introverted feeling and giving us that gut feeling of like, okay, this is bad. Or, oh, okay, I know what's happening here. I, you know, I'm picking up on these cues. And that's where it it is kind of the coolest thing once you actually start to really listen to it and know what to listen for or look for or what you're... You know, really know what to feel for. Uh, it's something that I've been working on for quite some time. I've been finding out that my intuition has never been wrong and learning to actually trust it lately has been a pretty cool experience. Uh, and it's helped me kind of be more at peace. Or at, it, it has helped me be more at peace with the direction of my life and also more le- less stressed because now I know I can make a better decision when I have that gut feeling of you know my extroverted intuitions out there in the world relaying you know these patterns into my introverted feeling and then being able to be like okay I've been through this before I need to make this move here so that's uh something really cool that I've been learning to trust lately now the next thing that we're coming up on is our tertiary uh, function, which is introverted sensing. Uh, it's This is all about new experiences and kind of comparing them to old experiences and memories, which is where we're able to form those patterns that are you know, extroverted intuition is able to pick up to bring it back to our introverted feeling to give us that gut instinct of here's what's going to happen, here's how this is going to make me feel, and yada, yada, yada. So introverted sensing is, you know, really just your kind of your memory bank of all your past memories, experiences, and kind of comparing it to how it is presently or currently. And that is a kind of makes me feel like maybe that's why a lot of INFPs are depressed because depression comes more from your past. Anxiety comes more from your future, which is, you know, part of that extroverted intuition. We're always looking in the future. That's just something I'm spitballing here. I think because of our introverted sensing and extroverted intuition, that's probably why a lot of INFPs are depressed and have anxiety, which is kind of makes sense in a way.
So yeah, SI, introverted sensing. Uh, it's just, you know, comparing the experience that you're currently in to your old experiences and memories. Now moving down to our fourth in our cognitive stack. Uh, it is TE or extroverted thinking. Uh, extroverted thinking is almost like it sounds, you know, bouncing ideas off of other people. Uh, INFPs, it would behoove you to have at least five friends that you can trust. Hell, even if it's just three friends uh, or family members, five people that you can trust and kind of bounce what you're thinking off of them uh, as far as like, hey, this is what's happening to me today. Here's how I feel about it. What do you think? And they'll probably, it'll, it'll help kind of make sure that you're on the right path and kind of help your brain understand like, okay, if, you know, th these are your, your judges, you know, and well, hell, it actually would probably be better if they were judges or the, you know, a J type personality, a J, a TJ or, or hell, even a thinking, maybe it'd just be better if it's a thinking, but anyway, this is where you're going to kind of bounce ideas off people, bounce your ideas, ideals, your morals, your values, and check in with other people in the world. And this is just how I learned it in therapy, which is why this podcast kind of helps me, you know, strengthen my extroverted thinking is by bouncing ideas off of random people who listen to this. Um, you know, I got my core group of friends that you know, I, I've been slacking on doing that lately just because I've been, I've got a lot going on. So, but, uh, yeah, I got my core group of friends where I'll bounce things off of them. Like, Hey, here's the situation I'm currently facing. Here's how I feel about it. Here's why I feel this way. And then saying, what do you think to them? And then they give me their, you know, opinion on the matter or what they think of the matter. So it's, a uh, it is something that every INFP really needs to strengthen is that extroverted thinking. And those are our top four. Uh, there, there are eight. We use all eight cognitive functions. Uh, the next four are kind of like our, our shadow personality, which for us is an ENFJ. And it's your shadow isn't based on, you know, just flipping INFP into an ESTJ. That's that's not how that works. It goes off of your cognitive stack. So you flip the cognitive stack to extroverted feeling, introverted intuition, extroverted sensing, and introverted thinking, and you get yourself an ENFJ, which is our shadow uh, from how it's been explained to me in therapy. So I'll get into that on a different episode. Uh, what our you know shadow stack shadow cells is and how we can kind of do some work on that to strengthen those up. I know that extroverted thinking is kind of the gateway into your shadow. Uh, so still working on that in therapy. I'll have more for you on that later once I kind of figure it out even more for myself in therapy and kind of give you better examples. Now, as far as the INFP, 
it is a pretty rare personality type according, you know, as far as the Myers-Briggs type indicator is concerned. And according to, uh, I think it's a psych junkie online, you know, it's four to 5% of the population is, you know, aren't INFPs. Now, crazy part is most INFPs are women. And of of the total four to five percent, about one to one point five percent are male INFPs, which is extremely rare. You know, I am an INFP. My therapist is an INFP, and my dad is an INFP, which is pretty damn crazy to know that many male INFPs. Um, statistically, wouldn't really be that. You know, well, I guess the st- statistically, you know, my dad being one is, you know, pretty, like, I get it. Um, pretty sure our cognitive stack kind of comes more from genetics and, you know, pieced together genetically and by our uh, our life experiences. So maybe it's not that weird. But anyway, in any case, a male INFP is actually very rare. Um one to 1.5 percent and you know it is we we are kind of the the unicorn if you will you know male INFPs are very very in touch with their emotions we are we have great you know emotional intelligence and an extreme depth and emotion um there there isn't just happiness, anger, sadness. No, it's it's happiness number 895 or anger number 542 or, you know, sadness number 3,568. You know, it's nothing. It, it It's, there are many, many different levels of our emotions. It's not just anger, happiness, sadness. You know, it it, it is... There are a lot of different variations on those emotions that we have. And we can all kind of recall to a time using that introverted sensing to when we felt that way. And we have that memory of that anger or that sadness or that happiness, that joy. So a male INFP is really, really kind of odd, you know, to just have around uh, a man that is that, has that many, that depth of emotion is actually kind of, I mean, obviously it's pretty damn rare, 1 to 1.5%. My therapist was telling me that, you know, male INFPs are basically unicorns. Um, Ladies, if you have one, really, now's the time to play, bub. Uh, ladies, if you have an INFP in your life, hold on to them. Uh, I mean, it, I mean, it is your choice, whatever, but, you know, male INFPs are very, very rare and can be extremely wonderful partners to have in this life. Now, that being said, there are two different 
INFPs. There's INFP-T, which stands for turbulent, and INFP-A, or assertive. Now, the difference between the two. An INFP-T, or a turbulent, has high neuroticism, a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression, questioning their decisions quite frequently and kind of just staying in that and looking too far ahead into the future and not being somewhat present. That's more of a turbulent uh, INFP. It is, you know, nothing bad in that, but it is, that is something that needs to be worked on to move towards, you know, being healthy. And a healthier version of INFP is an, an I, yeah, the, the healthier version of the INFP is the INFP-A or assertive. Um, I don't know why they say assertive. Uh, it should just be less stressed, less anxious. Uh, it's not like we really assert a whole lot. I mean, I guess I do, but I think that goes more towards my Enneagram than it does my MBTI. But, you know, an INFPA is going to be less stressed on the decisions that they make, have far less anxiety and depression. Um, and it is something that, the, as far as being an INFP, I hear a lot of people say that you can change types as you get older. I'm not sure if that's true or not. I do know that you can change from a T to an A and from an A to a T and kind of go back and forth depending on what is going on in your life. I know after my previous relationship, uh, it was with a covert narcissist, uh, covert passive-aggressive narcissist, and I experienced a lot of mental, emotional abuse by at her hand, and I was very, very much an INFP T, um, always stressed out, always anxious, walking on eggshells constantly. Uh, always questioning my decision, but that was because of the abuse. And, you know, after spending 11 months in therapy, I'm kind of back onto the, uh, being an INFPA, which is quite nice. I'm not as anxious, not as depressed. I'm actually really not anxious at all. Just, uh, which is kind of a great feeling. Haven't felt this way in a while. So pretty proud of myself on that. And, you know, a lot of that credit goes to my therapist. He's awesome. Um, so, yeah, uh, getting to be an INFPA, just if you have a male who's an INFP, that's already rare. An INFPA is even more rare. My dad and myself and my therapist are all INFPAs. So that's kind of where I was talking back earlier, where that's, it's extremely rare to kind of have me know two other INFPs that are A's that are males. So pretty cool. Now, one thing about an INFP, and for those of you who are not INFPs, you're going to think this is really weird. For INFPs that listen to this, you might sit here and think like, oh my God, he's so right. Yes, preach tell these people what it is we have a very rich 
vibrant, lively, use whatever adjective here, you know, inner world. And, you know, it, you know, our imagination is incredible. That's why a lot of, uh, authors and songwriters and, uh, movie like directors are INFPs. Hell, even like a lot of actors, like I know, uh, I believe Johnny Depp is an INFP. Um, Keanu Reeves, INFP, INFJ. He's one of those two. But, uh, yeah, it, we're, we have this incredible inner world that we kind of constructed for ourselves to escape reality. Because reality sucks to an INFP. This real world that we're in, it's painful. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of turmoil. It's it's something that we know can be completely different. But society values... Society's built more around the more predominant, you know, MBTI types, which are the sensing types of those sensors. It, this world is more pushed towards sensors rather than, you know, intuitives. Um, but anyway, and it's also pushed more towards extroverts than it is towards introverts and pushed more towards, I don't know, you can go either way with thinkers, feelers, but in any case, INFPs have an incredible inner world. Um, to give, <laughs> I think this might be an incredible example, I, I hope. A great example of our inner world, our, you know, the little world that we have created. If you ever watched Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, the original one, not not the Johnny Depp one. But when he enters, when he brings all the guests into the chocolate room, that is basically, you know, people entering the INFP's inner world. You know, that, that pure imagination. That's actually the song, isn't it? Come with me and you'll be in the world of pure imagination. That was horrible. Not drunk enough to sing. But anyway. So yeah, I think that's the best example I can give, you know, on the INFP's inner world is, you know, Willy Wonka opening up the door into the chocolate room in that movie and all the kids and adults just going in there just like, holy hell, this is amazing. And that's the best example I can give about an INFP's inner creative, imaginative, beautiful, wonderful world. Again, if an INFP lets you into that world, it is that INFP loves you with everything that they have. It doesn't happen for everybody. It really does. It's actually, you know, if an INFP is married, their spouse may be, you know, brought into their inner world, but maybe not fully. So if, if you get led into the inner world of the INFP, they, uh, they hold you in, 
they hold you in great regard there. So one thing that every INFP also has, you know, we have our values and our morals. I, I spoke on this a little bit earlier here. Our values are... What the hell is going on here with my dog? Anyway, I'll get back to it here in a second. So our values are unbreakable. You know, we we are very much, you know, the moral compass to a lot of people because of our values. Um, for me, again, loyalty, love, compassion, courage, those are my top values. Uh, creativity is also one of them in the top five there. So that is something that we will never break. We will never stray away from our moral compass. If you try to get an INFP to do that, it will only end badly for you. Um, in no way is that ever going to play out in your favor. You know, an INFP might bend their moral compass a little bit, uh, but it does snap back, and it, it's painful when it does. I've been there. It's happened to me. It's happened to me recently. It sucks. So, if you're ever, and ENFJs are, they're our greatest, they're our gold, you know, partnership, but yet at the same time, they will try to get you to kind of break some of your values. And if you stand firm, which, I mean, INFP will stand firm to their values, uh, it'll, let's, how, how, how to put this here? Hmm. Yeah, yeah. INFP is not going to break their values. So any ENFJ listening, just don't try. It's just going to end up with the ENFJ being really upset. So, INFPs, I highly encourage you to kind of really, there's a website, uh, via, V-I-A dot com or dot org. Should have looked this up beforehand. But uh, it's another another test. But it kind of, it maps out your, your values and lists them in order of what your values are. My number one value is loyalty. And the greatest thing you can do with that is you know what your values are, but then after that, take it one step further and define what that is for yourself. Now that is extremely difficult, but you will gain a lot of growth from doing so. Don't look up the definition, you know, in the dictionary, like you need to write it out yourself your definition of whatever your top values are, what it means to you and what it makes you feel. Um, and it is an incredible measure of growth for an INFP uh, to know that and really define it for themselves. Um, the other thing INFPs have, you know, have greatly is empathy. Now, everybody has kind of a sliding scale of empathy. I'm 
sadly and awesomely very empathetic. Um, and I know for a lot of people who looked into narcissism, a lot of narcissists will tell you flat out, well, I'm a very empathetic person. And that's kind of like one of the red flags. Uh, I'm saying this in all humility and I, I am an empathetic person, a uh, very empathetic person. And when it comes down to an INFP, it, it's not that we feel exactly what you're feeling. We go back to our introverted sensing and we remember a moment when we felt like that. And we can feel it again and put ourselves in your shoes and just understand like, man, I, I get it. I know what you're feeling. So that's that's kind of how empathy works for an INFP. We go into our introverted sensing and uh, remember an experience or, uh, you know, we'll have a memory of what we had gone through that gives us something similar to the feeling that you are feeling. So that is empathy for an INFP and how we kind of experience it. So now I am an INFP and after 11 months of uh, therapy, I was able to, or we were able to kind of get down, you know, all of my personality for the most part. And it goes with the MBTI the Enneagram and the subsets of the Enneagram, the archetype, the social sexual archetype of, you know, society, you know, love language and attachment style. So just so everybody knows, I am an INFP A, eight wings, seven on my Enneagram, a social eight wings, seven, uh, with self-preservation as my blind spot. As far as like the archetype, the societal archetype, I'm a Sigma male, which I'll get into that on future podcasts. My love language is physical touch and quality time are my top two. And as far as my attachment style, which is something I'm still working on, after uh, an emotionally abusive relationship, uh, I'm an anxious attacher as of right now, and it's something that I'm working on and moving forward, trying to be just a healthy attacher. Uh, there are, I think it's like four attachment styles. There's the anxious attacher. There's the avoidant attacher. There's the fearful avoidant, I believe is what it is, or fearful, uh, something like that, attacher. It's a fearful attacher. And then there's the healthy attacher, which is what I'm trying to move towards, you know, after everything that I've had to go through in the past four years. So there's just a little bit of, you know, the INFP didn't really go into very much depth. Uh, this is just more of an overview. I will break this down even more in future podcasts. I uh, just wanted to give a brief overview of what it is, of what I am, so people can kind of understand me more when they listen in, kind of see where I'm coming from and how I take in information from the world and process it, which is what the MBTI and your cognitive stack kind of teaches you how you actually process the world around you. So on that note, I thank you for listening. 
I hope this was somewhat informative. I know I kind of got off track here and there. It's typically going to happen with an INFP. Uh, just kind of stick along for the ride. And that's where we kind of go into our other little tangents that we have. But uh, thank you for listening. And one one thing a buddy of mine told me is I got to learn how to end these things properly. Uh, and the only way I know how is for my little girl, if she ever listens to any of these, uh, I want her to always know how I feel, even if she's not with me at the time. So I will end each podcast by telling her that I love her. Thank y'all for listening. I love you, little one.